Hello, and welcome to episode 40 of the Peter Podcast. I'm your host, reporter Taylor Clysdale, and with me this week is Charmaine McGumbay. Charmaine is running for council in the October municipal election in Monaghan Ward, and today we're going to be talking about affordable housing development. So we're building these expensive homes, and if you look around now, the homes that are being built are on the higher end of at least 400000 and if you're getting bringing in 42000 as a household income, you can't afford those houses. So we need to look at, one, building affordable housing, and two, how are we going to address the needs of those people who are marginalized on the streets? And we're also going to be talking about new policies for uh, improving transportation in Peterborough. So, hope you enjoy the show. Oh, hi. Um, my name is Charmaine Mugumbe, and I'm running for council for Monaghan Ward yeah, for so, this um, 2018. Yeah, why don't you explain a little bit about, you know, what's your background, what's your experience that makes you qualified to be on council? Um, well, I my experience is that I've worked a lot um, in the community, um, organizing different um, activities, different events. Um, so I'm also a chairperson of community race relations right now, as is, and um, I've just been very active with uh, uh, talking a lot about um, issues that are uncomfortable to speak about because um, I'm talking about racism, but um, also bring together people who um, want to make this um, city into an inclusive environment as much as possible um, that people who are considered others feel safe in this community. So, um, yeah, so basically that's where I'm coming from. So what's that experience been like to, to be a part of the uh, uh, Committee of Race Relations and to be involved in those conversations? Um, it's... Um, it could be definitely challenging to say the least, um, because it because it is uh, uncomfortable, uncomfortable, um, uncomfortable situation that people don't want to really talk about. But I feel um, as a city, um, those are issues that we need to deal with, uh, that council needs to deal with, and uh, especially um, looking at. Um, challenges that the city faces and um, as a counselor uh, you need to talk about these the difficult things i.e. racism homelessness mental health issues drug addiction um, these are things that council needs to deal with and um, by not by not talking about it by um, saying this is not my problem this is their problem by sweeping it under the rug it um, it becomes an issue for where everybody could see it. Um, so personally, um, just looking around the city, especially um, with what's happening as far as the homelessness is concerned and uh, mental health issues and drug problems, um, people are now seeing that it, it is becoming more and more of an issue in Peterborough. And as counselors, we need to talk about difficult issues and not just sweep it under the rug and say, this is not me, this is their problem. And I feel like there's almost a temptation to, not just during an election time, but you know, over the course of the four years, um, to kind of focus on hard issues. You know, you look at the, the housing crisis that we're dealing with right now, mm -hmm. or you look at the capital budget and you say, what can we afford with that? And th those are very kind of hard dollars and cents decisions. 
Whereas, you know, when it comes to um, social issues like homelessness, like racism, that dialogue tends to be muddied a bit. Um, it tends to not want to get brought up. So how do you encourage that conversation to, to flourish and for people to want to engage in that conversation? Um, well, that's a really good point. So we really need to look at the causes of what's making this situation even worse. Like IE, for example, um, Brock Mission has um, been t- torn down to be renovated and built into something bigger and better, but it's been delayed because for whatever reason, council has delayed that. So it'd be great once on council to get that going. Um, and also, um, just even the other day, we were at Brock, I'm at um, One Room Diner and just talking to Kathy Williams. And um, the need is so great. Um, they feed minimum 150 people uh, each meal, and there's two meals a day. And um, so it's a, very, um, it's a very large task. And so people are saying what you know basically what about us like yes we have this homelessness but also there's a great need in the city for affordable housing um so we as a community we have to look at everything because like you said um there's not uh, the revenue is what's in our coffers right Mm -hmm. we have a lot of public services that we have to address i.e transportation roads hot um not hospitals but our roads our police stations things like that so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of money that needs to be raised and all of this takes money right so for affordable housing because we do have a crisis like you mentioned uh we have a grown population with a one percent vacancy rate um we need to do something about affordable housing i noticed in the last um conversation you had um with uh the mayor here he mentioned that the 700 homes being built in ashburnham uh the three to four thousand homes that are being are potentially to be built um my concern is there wasn't that word affordable. We have uh, the average household price in Peterborough is 450000 and the average income that the, I last checked was um, for a household is 42000 uh, which is below the um, provincial, I believe provincial or nas- national average of forty-eight. So we're building these expensive homes, and if you look around now, the homes that are being built are on the higher end of at least 400,000 and if you're getting bringing in 42,000 as a household income you can't afford those houses so we need to look at one building affordable housing and two how are we going to address the needs of those people who are marginalized on the streets what I'm proposing is for affordable housing um, the um, Canadian um, for, uh, federal liberals have proposed that 40, $40.2 billion, the Canadian National Housing Strategy, to build affordable housing. Out of that, $4.2 billion is going to Ontario. Provincially, they don't build houses, mm-hmm. at least as far as I know. It's a municipality. So I feel as on council, what I would do is say, we need to get some of that money and give it to grassroots levels that could build um, affordable homes for people because not everyone it's great to say that you're building all these homes but at the end of the day if you're looking at a $450,000 and your income is about $42,000 you are not going to afford it so we need to get um, dollars for the affordable housing and um, yeah so that's one and we need to look at um, 
building, we need to have a, a center. Uh, Carol Winter Place um, is a group of people working together to to get to um, a Carol Winter um, place to for people who are marginalized. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also another group called the Working Place uh, that also is working to get together something that will meet the needs of those people who are on the street because as it is now when I talk to people in my ward they are uncomfortable going downtown Peterborough because they say it's not safe you have the panhandlers you have um, people that they just do not feel safe in downtown Peterborough and so we need to create a, a place that a one room place like a Carol Winter place that will cater to the the addiction, the mental health problems that people are facing, um, the social issues, and um, really target that because if we in Peterborough are uncomfortable going downtown, then when people come to visit, that's what they're seeing. And so this is an issue. So, um, and just talking about the revenue base, Right now, um, we get approximately, I think, around $280 million for um, collecting of taxes from people. And out of that, about 50% is towards, um, it comes from property taxes. So um, the people in my ward are saying property taxes are high, mm-hmm. um, so something needs to be done. And I totally believe that the only way, one of the ways, there's different ways, but one of the ways that we can reduce that tax burden on the household people is by um, creating businesses and not just uh, we need to create more businesses. I feel that council should be actively involved with Peterborough Economic Development. And my initiative that I like to propose is called the Green Initiative, where we would work with Peterborough Economic Development and Green Up to promote green, environmentally friendly businesses and mm-hmm. say, come to Peterborough. We are a bellwether town. Text, test your products here. Open shop. We're open for business. Reduce the red tape. Uh, give them a tax incentive and come and open up business and really push um, businesses that are green, environmentally friendly and say, and by getting more businesses, we create a bigger, um, uh, we uh, mm-hmm. broaden our tax base so that is not just property owners. And we need to broaden our tax base because right mm-hmm. now they're, we're feeling it. Yeah. And I know, you know, I, uh, in the year and a half that I've been here in Peterborough this week, I've had a lot of conversations with Peterborough Economic Development and I've gone to a lot of their showcases for small businesses. Um, and there are some fascinating mm-hmm. businesses there being produced by just some very energetic uh, entrepreneurs. So what type of businesses should we be be promoting uh, growth and uh, the, the creation of in our community? What kind of businesses should Peterborough be known for creating? Well, that's a really good question. So uh, let's say, for example, the casino, which it will ge- generate jobs. Um, that's why I feel uh, to be on council, we need to think creatively and out of the box. Um, the casino will generate um, jobs. Um, it will bring in approximately in taxes about $1 million a year, which if, um, com- uh, if you're re- doing this with your property taxes, about um, 05 to 1% of the property's tax. Um, but um, at the end of the day, um, building a casino is not necessarily... Uh, 
it is it creates job but it's not very creative thinking mm-hmm. right so we need to connect with um places like trent university uh fleming college and say um look at some innovative ways to um uh, do business here um, and there is uh, i mean if you look at trent right now in development there's the clean tech commons which is aiming to create a new business park around uh, green and environmental tech yeah. companies as well. So yeah. stuff like that is in development. Yes, and unfortunately with the green tech, they're building it on um, environmentally um, on a swamp. So that's that's very controversial as well. So that's um, even the other day I went to a meeting regarding that green tech and um, environmentally it's, it's not the best place to put that but anyhow um yes i know i'm Mm -hmm. I'm aware of aware of trent doing that and that does pose an interesting question though in terms of where do we develop um because you know there's a lot of people who especially in the trent uh university area who they don't want to see valuable green space get eaten up with development for like uh development like the green tech uh clean tech commons sorry Mm -hmm. or this new aquatics facility that's being built Mm -hmm. um but at the same time, doesn't our city also have to grow? So where, mm-hmm. what direction do we go? Yeah, uh, that's a really good question. They would have to look at what's available in 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 Peterborough as far as property vacant lands. I know that, uh, for example, they're going to be. Um, I'm not sure what they're going to do when they take down the North Crest Arena. Um, I know that they're supposedly not going to be building another arena there because they're building at the Trent University. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to be doing that. So. Uh, that is something that they're going to have to look at what's um, what's available. I also know that the transit, um, they want to move uh, the uh, Peterborough Transit, um, the workshop. Um, so that's, you know, that will be vacant or they're going to move it somewhere else. They've yet to determine where that's going to be. Mm-hmm. But, so they have to look around and be creative. And that's where I think that you know, um, getting different people on council who will think out of the box. A lot of like, for example, um, the homes that they're building right now, um, even they did a study, the homes that they're building right now, they mostly are um, low, uh, well, they're, you know, attached townhouses and or detached or semi-detached. They need to build up. Mm-hmm. Right. That would get um, that will um, be able to, for people to live more people in one space, not necessarily like a 10 story high rise. Yeah. But there needs a bit. I don't know when last have they built up. I know they're doing the the, the old Y converting it, but um, they need to look at using that space, not just, um, you know, um, little d- detached or semi or townhouses, they need to think about building up. Yeah, and I know um, there was a design charrette uh, where for four days they had some uh, city planners from Toronto communicating with different organizations and Mm -hmm. community groups in Peterborough. And uh, I attended for a very small period. I was probably there for an hour of a Mm -hmm. four-day session. But just in that hour that I was there, there was a lot of talk about building up key areas, uh, building up areas that currently aren't built up at the moment, and a lot of um, kind of sustainable upwards projects. Mm -hmm. Um, And those all sound really fascinating. Um, And there's a lot of redevelopment going on in the downtown as well, the Y-Lofts being a good example. Um, 
But the question is, is it going to meet all of our housing needs in the community? Mm -hmm. Do we have to be building subdivisions as well as building upwards in key areas like the Mm -hmm. downtown? Um, Yeah, we need to be building subdivisions, but it's how you're building the subdivision. So, for example, because of the fact that uh, Peterborough is getting a lot of money from property taxes. So, for example, in my ward, there's a Lily Lake development, which will build uh, 1,779 homes when it's all complete. Okay, but um, there's another smaller development that's just right beside the subdivision. And when I was doing my door to door, there was um, a household who has this small development. I don't remember the name. And she said originally when they were going to put in the development, they were going to build 100 homes on, I think, 50 foot lots or something to that. But they changed it to be putting now... Um, 150 homes instead of 100 to get more homes in that small space. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's development, but how is it down? Is it allowing for community? Is, is it going to be these d- detached single homes that are very close together? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it allowing for green space, open space, environmental? You know, they could probably get more instead of having each having a little home detached they could build up and that would give them more space to do other environmentally friendly things with that so um subdivisions are necessary but it's how you do it and is it affordable you need to have something you need to do affordable when i lived in peter in subray in peterborough when i lived in subray um I love telling this story, but I we moved and we're coming from Zimbabwe. We had four kids. I got a job full time. My my husband at the time couldn't get full time work, so it was like a minimum wage job, and um, a little bit better than minimum wage. Um, but it wasn't a lot of money for four kids and uh, you know six people totally. Right? Yeah. Total. So um, someone called me and said that they had um, a four-bedroom townhouse cluster. It was a clustered townhouse. It wasn't row. It was clustered mm-hmm. um, that was available. So I went to look, and and then she said at the end of it, it was like perfect. Like I said, oh, this is great. But I was concerned because um, at the time when we it was 1999, um, it was still quite expensive in um, in Sudbury at the time. And then she said at the end she goes, it's geared to income. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> yes, it was geared to income. So I was like, I, like I signed that day. Like, where, where do I put my ex? Like I just signed because it was like geared to income. And then, so we stayed there. It was perfect. And then when he did get work, we had to pay market rate. Mm-hmm. Um, so then after about a year of living there, I just was talking. It was new management. I was just talking to her. And I said, wow, you know, it was really great because, you know, I just came in. Like someone called me and that day I come and boom, it's like geared to income. And she know what she told me? She said, actually, Charmaine, there was a, a three to four year waiting list. They couldn't find the list. Really? They, they misplaced it. <laughs> That's how I got it. <laughs> they misplaced the list. And I know that in Peterborough, the waiting list is tremendous. Yes. I know the wait list for Peterborough for rent geared to income housing can be upwards of 10 years. So that is definitely an issue that we have to be dealing with. And maybe we can talk a little bit more about that mm-hmm. in the second half. But do you want to take a short break? Sure. And we'll get right back into it? Yeah, sure. All right, perfect. Then we'll be right back. Thank you. So 
So we're back on the Peter podcast, mm-hmm. and we're going to be diving into a couple of Peterborough issues. We've already talked pretty extensively about housing. Right. So I think we can cross that one off the list. So let's continue to talk, uh, particularly about transportation. Okay. Um, and right now in Peterborough, in transportation-wise, um, there's kind of a debate going on right now. Mm-hmm. And there's some people who think that we have a transportation issue in Peterborough, and there's some people who don't think we have a transportation issue in Peterborough. And my stance on that is whether or not you think we have a transportation issue right now doesn't really matter because we're expecting a a wave of oncoming growth when this Highway 407 extension comes Mm -hmm. in. And if we don't have a transportation issue now, we certainly are going to. So Mm -hmm. what do you think we should be doing to improve transportation in the city? Well, um, I I know that they had... um, um, made uh, I can't remember. I think 2016 there was a, a 100 recommendations. They did an extensive review on the transit system, and out of the 100 recommendations, 10 was put into place. And right now, I think it was 2016. Um, right now, zero of those recommendations are in place. Um, I think they're due to do another review. Um, but I believe that we could we could re, we could do those recommendations, especially the ten that they did. One of the ten that they did was, and it didn't go full force, was the um, getting from one end of the city to the other in twenty minutes. Um, they just did one half of the city, but then yeah. the, the other half didn't get initiated, so the twenty minute didn't happen. And there so. are suggestions too that I've heard that. What we need to do is we need to get rid of the downtown bus terminal and decentralize transit from the downtown. And what that'll do is that you can then have mm-hmm. circuits around the city, similar to what you would have in Toronto, so yeah. that you don't have to go downtown. Like if I want to get from uh, your ward to, say, right. East City, mm-hmm. I don't have to mm-hmm. hop on a bus, get off at the bus terminal, hop on another bus and get to the bus terminal. I can just take a bus straight right. from... Uh, Monaghan Ward over to East City. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, what are you a fan of in terms of doing stuff to improve transit? and More than just transit, too. What, what about, you know, vehicular traffic? Where do you see that as going? What is that? Like traffic, like cars and, and bikes and, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, we need to adapt the Vision Zero um, policies. For So, for example, uh, in New York, they adopted uh, Vision Zero, which is to make the roads more safe for pedestrians, cyclists, and cars. Because mm-hmm. um, right now in Peterborough, um, we have a higher than average um, in um, accidents for cyclists and pedestrians um, provincial-wide. So we need to look at how we're going to make our roads safer. And the Vision Zero is... Um, is a is a policy um, that um, looks at how how to make the roads for everybody, because as it is now, like for example, my ward, um, you cannot really cycle from Monaghan Ward to the downtown core. Um, the the bike lanes are just not there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be a revamping of the roads to make it safe for everybody. Because um, I'm working with the Peterborough um, bike advisory committee um, to adapt ways to make the the city of Peterborough safe for everybody, not just for cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, automatically, when people think transportation, they think cars because mm-hmm. we are a car society. But we need to take into consideration those who are, don't have cars, who do take transit, who do take, um, who walk, who are in wheelchairs, uh, who cycle, uh, and make our roads safer. So if you... Uh, put in an improved network of uh, infrastructure for cyclists, 
what does that then do to the the amount of vehicular traffic on the road? Well, I would hope that it would be reduced the amount of cars that are on the road. We are, even though we're not a, uh, there's not a lot of people. It seems because I I I drive everywhere. Like I'm a driver, but I I do, hundred percent spend time on my bike and I, I do cycle when I can. So um, Peterborough is not big cyclist. So hopefully if like, if people see that there is like um, more safety um, barriers um, that would divide the cyclists from cars, if they see that that's being creative, we will, we will bring more people to be on bicycles, reducing uh, traffic on our roads. I would love for more people to be on bikes. It's a cheaper way to get around. I, w- I would love to see, but they need to feel that they're safe. If they're mm-hmm. just exposing, like driving your bike, I've driven on Lansdowne. It's not the safest place, yeah. right? So what is your stance on the parkway, that contentious north-south corridor that <laughs> has been on the books for, what is it, 70 years now? Yeah, a long time. I would love to see alternative to the parkway. Um, I... If you think about it, the parkway supposedly is supposed to reduce the traffic from north to south by three to five minutes. And to be putting something that massive in the Jackson Park, a, a bridge, and um, it's just, I live really, really close to Jackson Park, and mm-hmm. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the open space. I enjoy the walking, the cycling, everything in Jackson Park. And I can't imagine putting a, a massive concrete million-dollar structure in there. Uh, the uh, ecosystem, everything would be affected. And so I, for just to, to get to one place to another, for, uh, reduce your speed, the time for three to five minutes. So uh, I would prefer definitely to have an alternative to the parkway. Would your which, opinion on the parkway change if, they, if definitively the bridge over Jackson Park was taken out of the equation? Um, I believe that's part of being the parkway. Um, what I would like to see, I'm not too sure about that. I don't, I don't, I've never seen, um, what's being proposed. It would be a bridge in the parkway. Okay. Um, so I, I'm not really, but you know, like doing a a road around the city or something, a ring around that would accommodate for cyclists and you could get from one and the other, um, from the North to South in that way. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a ring road is something that has been proposed and uh, mayoral candidate Diane Tarion is a big fan of a ring road as mm-hmm. well. Um, I think, you know, definitely we're, we're on a bit of a time limit for figuring out our transportation mm-hmm. solutions in Peterborough and that time limit is in the 2019-2020 phase when that 407 extension is going to be coming and we need to mm-hmm. figure out mm-hmm. where we're going to be moving people and mm-hmm. uh, where they're going to be living too mm-hmm. is the other half of that question. Mm-hmm. And even if you think of the Lily Lake development, which will have um, you know, quite a massive housing development, they will definitely have to look at infrastructure because as it is now, it's two lanes um, going back and forth. So uh, that will have to be redone. Mm-hmm. So that whole area. Okay. Uh, so moving on from transportation then, uh, I want to hear your thoughts on the PDI sale. I know the, the, the PDI sale already is, it, it's kind of in the late stages where it's yeah, being sent off for approval. Yeah. I'm not sure there's, there's much that the city can do at this point if it wanted to stop mm-hmm. the sale, but for, 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 
for the public's sake, I'm sure there are probably some people who are very curious about what your thoughts are on the PDI sale. Uh, that's a really good question. So I, I feel the PDI, is, uh, the sale of PDI is uh, civic engagement gone wrong. <laughs> well, that's an interesting angle. Yes, civic engagement gone wrong because they had, the uh, as far as I could see, uh, the most community engagement. Um, they called it Talk PDI, mm-hmm. where they had 15 community engagement. Uh, they had a over... Um, 900 comments um, at the engagement they had a total of 777 people attending that's like uh, point uh, that's like 1% of the population um, QP did a, a poll in 2016 where the people they polled 93% said they didn't want the sale of PDI and all of that brought the sale in mm-hmm. so a uh, civic engagement gone wrong because um, the people that were going to these meetings, and I went to at least one of them because there was a total of 15, um, they were, like 95% of them were all saying, do not sell. So here we have um, the people in the community saying, don't sell. Mm-hmm. And, the, the, you know, honestly, it was, a, it was a waste of time because they were saying, don't sell. And at the end, they sold. So... Um, I feel as a counselor, you need to be a, a you need to listen to what the people are saying in the city. So, um, and personally, um, I feel that by selling BTI is like selling the family jewel. Yeah. Um, short term gain for long term pain. So, I um, you know, just I can't believe that um, people are now shareholders are going to be benefiting off of uh, people who are who may not be able to buy these shares and um, basically um, profit from something that everybody needs. So I've talked to a couple of candidates. Mm -hmm. uh, Well, I've talked to many candidates now about the PDI sale. Mm -hmm. A few of them have been people who voted in favor of selling. Uh, A few of them are people who, uh, you know, they're they're new candidates, but they say they would have supported the sale. And what's common between them is that they say that there is significant public engagement um, but it wasn't necessarily a case of not listening as it was listening and simply disagreeing mm-hmm. that you're allowed to listen and engage with your constituents, but you're also allowed to disagree with them. And that's the case of what happened where there was uh, public consultation. There were meetings with, uh, you know, dozens upon dozens upon dozens of delegations. Um, but at the end of the day, six out of it's six out of five. Yeah. Six out of uh, the, the, it was a six, five vote. And six out of 11 counselors said that they mm-hmm. disagreed with the, mm-hmm. the majority of those comments at those meetings. So mm-hmm. what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, another pr- uh, thing that happened with the PDIA was there were uh, meetings that were considered secret meetings that only council knew um, had um, supposedly all of the uh, details of the sale, which was, um, you know, they didn't want to talk about that. So it wasn't really... Uh, it wasn't really um, very, how would you say it? Um, it wasn't a transparent process? It wasn't or? a transparent process. And the whole thing, too, just that whole process took about $1 million just to do that sale. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I felt was um, that um, I just thought it was going through the motions because at the end of the day, they, they knew uh, the, the people who were going to sell we're going to sell, right? So I felt it was like, yes, you could say whatever you want, but I'm not really that tuned into what you're saying. So kind of like a deaf ear to the conversation. 
So what is a city councilor's job? Is, should a city councilor listen to their constituents and vote the way that they tell them to vote? Or should a city councilor look at the information and their, the public might tell them to make a certain decision, but they're, they're, they, you know, the information at hand tells them to do something else? At what, what is the balance between listening to the public and listening to the information that you have at hand that says that this is a good idea or this is a right. good idea to sell. That, that's a really good, excellent um, example. Because, uh, for example, in New York, when they did the uh, they adopted the uh, Vision Zero policy, um, they did have um, in the ward, they had meetings and they said, this is what we want to do. We want to do the Vision Zero. We want to make um, more availability for cyclists to cycle and create a, a safer safer space for everybody and uh, I think they most of the people in the ward said holy no way like we're not doing that we we, we don't want to we don't want to do this and mm -hmm. the it was political will the mayor said yes we are we are doing it because we need the safety of our people it comes first they had the statistics and and that was the one thing they had the statistics to say this is how many people are suffering because of um, the way the roads are structured. And so he went against the will of people. And in the end, um, it was a, like, since they redid that section, mm -hmm. there's been zero pedestrians killing. And before that, they've had, I think, I don't know, they've had on a regular basis. I can't remember the number, but yeah. people would die. So yes, he, they said, even though you guys said no, but we're thinking of the safety of the city, right? So yeah. that's the whole thing. And just to, to, to relay that example a little bit closer to home, I know in Toronto there was the, I think it was the Young Street Bike Lane Project, mm -hmm. um, where they ha had a pilot project to see if uh, bike lanes would work on Young Street. And there was significant pushback to that as well, but right. they kind of fell, th fell through on that. Mm -hmm. uh, and from what I gather, they got some pretty significant data on what bike lanes are able to do to prevent... Uh, exactly. cyclist accidents from happening so yeah I guess the 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 question still looms of what is a city councilor's job mm -hmm. and you know if elected how are you going to represent the people in your ward and not just the people in your ward too but you're elected to to represent a lot of people in the city yeah it's a Monica Ward. so I I feel that um councilors should have a vision um for what what they want the, the city to look like in the four years from now, right? So um, for myself, I would see that um, creating a sustainable um, economic, um, environmentally economic business, businesses, um, you're gonna be investing in the environment, that's really important, and by investing in the environment, you're investing in your children in the future. So what I would, as a counselor, I feel that we need to really um, get out and say um, have uh, more green businesses um, initiatives um, definitely promote more jobs um, because if we have more jobs our young people are going to stay right now we had PCVS closing because there wasn't enough students so we need to keep our young families and the only way to do that is by having the jobs so we need to actively market Peterborough as a place to do business. We are open for business. We uh, reduce the red tape um, so that more business, more young people. By doing that, you have more money in our coffers to do more 
the community things, i.e. build the Carol Winter Place, working place, so that we could take care of those people who are marginalized, um, who are struggling with mental health issues, who are struggling with drug addictions. Um, we need to talk about the hard issues of racism. We need to get diverse voices, not just have um, one sector of, the side of our Peterborough community saying this is what we want. We need to get more people of people of color, women on our on our council that will give a different view as to how we want the city to be done. So okay, uh, we're just about to run out of time. Uh -huh. So Charmaine, is there any other messages that you want to get out there, or anything that you want to add that we maybe forgot to mention? Um, I'd like to just say um, on October 22nd, um, vote for Charmaine Mogumbe uh, for Councillor for Monaghan Ward and um, I need all the support I could get. I'm definitely coming in as, a, as an underdog, uh, first time as a politician. So I, I need your uh, support, I need volunteers, I need donations, I need people to put up lawn signs. So yeah, um, yeah. All right. Me. Charmaine, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, to everybody else, we'll be back with another candidate next week. Thank you.